hit them. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not condoning fighting, okay, but I'm just saying that at that moment, my little heart goes, no, I can't do, you know, no, but okay, I got, the, I have the, I can do this, okay, so my dad said, I'm not going to get in trouble, if I hit him, okay, we'll, we'll do it, so the very next day, and you know how you remember some things, like in your mind, like it's a TV show, like you just watched it yesterday, right, so we're in junior high gym locker room, okay, that's the worst place ever, we're in this locker room, and we're changing, right? You're, and with guys, and you're changing. I mean, if you're a junior higher, it's the worst. It smells. It's the worst. So I'm in there, and, and I'm changing. Elle's in the gym locker room. Oh, look, Nick wet his pants. Everyone looks, and I do what any little red-blooded Right in the stomach. He went down like a sack of bricks, you know, just fell down, and I ran <laughs> out the door, down, and, and to PE, you know, like I had like one shoe on, and I'm out the door, right? So run and go, and then, you know, kind of everyone, oh my gosh, Nick just hit him, what are we going to, you know? And then the PE teacher comes, and we had to go in the office and apologize, and you know, you shake hands, and it's over, right? Wrong, right? So. I'm the net after PE, we do our thing, and I'm sitting there and I'm changing, and I, I can't I can't remember this. So I'm sitting there and I'm down tying my shoe like this. And I can feel the shadow, you know, of him just just kind of doing that thing. And and I'm I'm bent over and I look up and he just says this, and I this is big compared to me. Do you want to fight me? You know, like with the deep voice, he had already hit puberty, so he's like got a beard, you know, and like and and I do. What any young, red-blooded young man is going to do. I started crying. I, I was so afraid. I was just so scared. The emotion took over. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, because I knew I was going to die that day, right? And then it was like everyone saw that, and the Red Sea parted. All the kids kind of go, oh, no, you know, don't. He's crying. He backed away. Everyone kind of stopped. The PE teacher came in, and that day, labeled me, right, to junior high, even into high school, I was at, at a fight, right, and that stuck with me, it, it was something that, you know, I kind of grew out of, and, you know, as I, as I got new friends and kind of moved a little bit, kind of figured things out a little bit, but that always stayed with me, that idea that it's not worth fighting for, that there's nothing worth fighting for, and fear Physically, not just emotionally, not just in those ways, but the worst part about that was that fear kept me from stick to the back and not make any noise, that I would make sure that I didn't get any attention onto myself because I did not want to stand up because what if I made a mistake? What if someone had an argument that I couldn't win? What if, what if, maybe you're there today where you're sitting and, and, and going, you know what, hey, I kind of feel that way. I got my 
good. I don't need to really step out. I know God might be calling me to some things that I just don't want to do. I have my life the way I want it. And maybe, just maybe, and let me just ask you this question as you sit here today. And here's the thing. So when I, when I see you guys and I, and I ask you a lot of questions, okay? So be ready to just think about answers and maybe let me know some answers. But just think about this. God might be asking you to do that you're afraid to do, okay? Just, just anything. And, and I want to share with you this section. So we're in 1 Timothy 6. And just to give you some background, so 1 Timothy, hello, 1 Timothy 6, we're going to start in chapter 11. This book of the Bible, and just so you guys know, if you don't read the Bible, the Bible is a lot of, of letters, especially the New Testament. It's a lot of letters written from one person. It's usually the person's name, so Timothy. But in this case, these are actually letters written to Timothy, and they're written from Paul. So Paul and Timothy have this really cool relationship. It's like the mentor-mentee relationship. I think you could probably even kind of say it's more like a father son relationship. Paul helped to, to really form this, this guy, Timothy, his, his, formed his life in, in the faith. And so when Timothy gets letters from, from Paul, it's like, man, I, I, they're personal. You can read, and do read First and Second Timothy. They're amazing, especially if you're a young man and you are looking for direction. Talk to your dad, but also read this, okay? These are huge books that give you practical things on what next steps are for your faith, okay? So Paul is, is urging here. He's actually, he's, he's been to different churches, and he's been uh, hanging out with Timothy, and he's been to these different places, and he's watching the birth of the first churches, right? He's, he's, he's actually a part of seeing these new churches after Christ had left, right? Christ died and then rose again. He's in heaven now, and, and these new churches are starting they're beginning, and all these cool new things are happening, and then some negative things are happening, and Paul's going around to all these churches, and he's connecting with them, going, okay, that's good, that's bad, this is where we want to live, you know, this kind of thing, and he's getting everyone into what is the next step, and he's, so he's, and he's also giving Timothy, his son, some advice. So in 1 Timothy 6, 11, we're going to put it up on the screen here, actually, so if you don't have your Bible, it's okay, you can bring it next time. Um, but 1 Timothy 6, 11, and 12. So this is what um, Paul is telling Timothy directly, saying, But as for you, O man of God, so Paul telling Timothy, flee these things. So what are these things? If you read previous to this, he's talking to Timothy. He says, look, there are some things you ought not to do. He's talking about promiscuity. He's talking about, you know, how when you're teaching, you need to make sure that you're teaching what God is telling you and not what you want people to hear. You know, those types of things. Even though it might be hard, you need to let people know what God's truth is. He's, he's giving them this list of don'ts ahead of this. And read those because you're going to want to get the full picture here. But so he says, man of God, flee these things. And he says this, so run away from certain things and run towards other things. He says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. And this is, this little next sentence changed the way I thought about myself. And it said, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul tells Timothy, like any dad would tell his son, like my dad told me, sometimes there are things worth fighting for. And you need to stand up and fight at times. 
And there are things, and he says here, there are things you need to fight against. You need to fight and flee and run and fight against certain things. And then there are also things that you need to fight for. And then he actually backs this up. And if you go into 2 Timothy, so Paul wrote, we have two letters. He probably wrote many, many letters. But we have two letters to Timothy from Paul. So this next letter is actually at this point where Paul is about to die. So Paul is actually in prison writing this letter. So he's, he's writing this letter, he's in prison, and when we think of prison, it's not like he's in this nice, you know, air-conditioned spot. No, he's regularly being tortured. He knows that next on the schedule for him is his final torture. Well, he will be literally tortured to death. Okay, this is Paul. So he's, he is looking death square in the eyes. And this is his final words to Timothy. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Okay, just for that, just for a second, okay? So he's kind of backing up what he was saying before, right? So if you read, right, if we read in 1 Timothy, we're saying, look, this is what he's saying. And now on his deathbed, he's going, okay, remember this. This is so important. What you're fighting for, what you're teaching, your special, you know, Timothy is gifted in teaching. He's gifted in discernment. God has put that on his heart. Timothy is being used for God's purposes, and he's saying, don't give up on those things. Those are the things that God has put in your life to fight for, okay? And then he says, as for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, and check this out. Because this is Paul just putting like the, the verbal exclamation point on the whole thing here. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who, was, who have loved his appearing. Guys. This whole section of Scripture rocked me as a fearful Christian. As a Christian, as a young man who is afraid to stand up for much. Who who is afraid to to make a stand either for things or against things. Whether it was my personal life or whatever it was. But there were things that I realized that at this point I needed to fight for. There were things, as I read this, I go, man, in my life, there are things that I need to stand for. And I realize there are things that I need to stand against. And Paul says here, and he says in in that scripture, he says, the number one thing, the way you do that is by keeping eternity in mind. Right? If you can go, go back to that last slide there for me real quick. He says, from already being poured out as drink wine, and the time has come, I have kept the fight. And he says, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judges, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but all those who have loved his appearing. What is he saying? He's saying, I am focused. I am about to die. But I am focused on eternity. He says, that's, that's what it's all about. When we can stand at our race, when we can stand at our fight, and we can look toward eternity, 
the fight becomes clear. The race becomes clear. When we are focused on the finish line, no matter where you are in your life, because the reality of us is Paul probably had the luxury of knowing when he's about to go see the Lord. For us, we don't. So if we can stand at the footsteps of the fight in our lives, of that fight of faith, of being able to look at our lives and go, okay, if my eyes are focused on eternity, they're focused on Christ, what is it that he is asking me to do? And, and Paul, this is a big overarching thing for our lives. I want to today just make this super, super practical, okay? I live in simplicity. That's my life. I have three kids. We have to live simply or we die, okay? So here's, here's what I want us to do today. Instead of the big overarching fight of faith, the big life thing, here's what I want you to do because the reality is that the big fight, the overarching life fight that we talk about is actually little battles all the time, right? We know that, right? So here's what I want to do today. I want you to think, okay, what is the one thing today, as you sit in your chair today, what is the one thing that you know God is either asking you to fight for or asking you to fight against, okay? And, and just to think about that, what is that thing? Maybe it's, maybe it's time with your family. Maybe it's spiritual disciplines that you have to take in your life. Better? Better? Okay. What is that one thing? What is the thing that God is calling you to do today? Not a year from now, not for your life, but right now, between now, let's just make it even more practical, between now and December 31st, 2015, what is God calling you to fight for or fight against now? Okay, I want you to put that in your brain. Just think about it. I want you to keep it there. We're going to talk about that. What is your fight? Because I'm going to share with you how you can win that fight today. The thing that changed my life, right? I'm going to share with you how you can win that fight, no matter if you don't want to fight it, no matter if you look at it and you go, that is too big, man. You don't know my family, Nick. I can't spend more time with them. You know, you don't know this thing. You don't know this sin that nobody knows about me. You don't know that I've been hiding this for years. You don't know it, Nick. You don't understand. No, I do understand. And God is bigger. Okay, here's the deal. The number one thing and the only way you beat these fights, the only way you win these fights is on the foundation of grace. Okay, you can write that down. You can put that in your notes. You can put that in your head. I don't care where you put it, but that is the number one thing. If you leave here today and you forget everything else I talked about, the cool story about me crying and all that stuff, I don't care. Remember that the way you beat and the way you win is on the foundation of Christ's grace and mercy in your life. Because here's the reality. The fight, the thing that looks too big, the thing that is too insurmountable for you, that the, the, the drinking problem, the internet issue, whatever it is, Christ has already won that battle for you. He already did it. It's done. It's finished. Because here's the thing. The victory is found in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. 
And if you have never been here or you are just hearing about Jesus for the first time, let me just tell you, okay, Christ came and lived the perfect life, the life that you and I were trying to live, the life that we say, man, I just want to win everything. I want to win all the battles. I don't want to falter, but I do all the time. Well, here's the deal. Christ didn't. He lived the perfect life, and then he died the perfect death as a substitute for you and for me. Because our sin, the things that we do when we falter, those things, they earn us death. That's just the reality because we are sinning against a God who set that for us. He set the rules. He set the loving boundaries for you and for me. He said, this is the way I want you to live. And when we don't do it, we're sinning against him. It's not about our family. It's not about our kids. It's not about your girlfriend or boyfriend or even your teacher, wherever you're standing. It's not about that sin. What it is is about your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with God, who said, this is the life I want for you. This is how you can live. And we say, no, I have a better plan, God. The problem is that better plan leads us to death and destruction. But Christ did that. Christ lived the perfect life, and he died in our place on the cross. But the best part of this whole story is that he didn't stay dead. Because if he did, that'd be great. He's still dead. But he didn't stay dead because he won the final battle. He beat death. Christ was raised by the power of God, by the power of his heavenly Father. He was raised to life in heaven. And that is the foundation of every fight that you and I fight today. There is nothing you have to fear. There is nothing I have to fear because your Savior walked that path in front of you. And he stands, remember Paul was saying, keep eternity in mind, right? He was saying, keep focused on the, the end line. Well, we get the awesome opportunity to look at Christ at the end line who said, look, I already ran this race for you. You can literally walk in my footsteps and win this race. Not because you have any power, but because I already ran it. I already did it. You can walk in my footsteps if you choose. So the question I have for us today is, how do we do that? Okay, And why don't we? I think we all know the answer right to that. At least I know the answer in my life is, I think I know better. And it takes some humility on my end to say, you know what, I don't. And I need Christ to show me the way. So today, I wanted to share with you really quick five principles, okay, on, on good fighters that I've seen in my life, whether they're biblical or just in my life, people that I've seen, that I, there's five principles that, that I think help us in the practicality of it. Again, these principles on their own will cause you futility. They will cause you frustration. They will cause you to be more frustrated. And you will call me, and I won't give you my cell phone, but you will try and call me. And you will say, Nick, you gave me the five principles, and I've been working on these five principles so hard. But I will say, if they're not built on the foundation of Christ, they're rubble. They're ash. They will fall and they will falter. But if they're built on the foundation of Christ, then you can win. So, if, again, if you hear me say nothing else, hear that. And, and just for the, this reason alone, too, listen. If today you heard about Jesus and you're like, man, I really want that. 
That sounds awesome. There's someone who lived a life that my substitution, and I know when I go to bed tonight, I know in my head that I am not living up to the life that God has for me because I know I've chosen my own way, and no one else has ever talked to me about this before. But, Nick, you just did, and this makes perfect sense. If you want that, here's the greatest thing you will ever hear in your whole life. You can have it. What the Bible says is if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can start your life on the foundation of him. You can, God will see in your life, he will see Jesus all the time. That's amazing, amazing stuff. But we have to come to the cross humbly and ask him to forgive us. If that's something you want, please see me afterwards. I'll I'll share with you how to do that. There's pastors here who can share with you how to do that. Talk to the friend who brought you today. They they would love to talk to you, but I I mean, I'll be down here. I'm not going to move, so you can come and talk to me after, but don't let today go. Don't let today go. Okay, you still got that thing in your head, right? What's that one thing, right? We still got it? I'm going to give you the five principles on how to beat it. Are you guys ready? You're not ready. Okay, that's cool, too. I got you asleep. That's fine. And I'm real, I'm real cute, so they all, these principles uh, all spell the word fight, okay? It's an acronym for fight, okay? So, ooh, it's cute. Okay, you guys ready? Okay, the first principle is this, is F is fearless, okay? And we can only do these things, again, because Christ did them again. I need you to remember that, that Christ was fearless. How do I know that? Because he didn't want to go to the cross. Christ prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was going to the cross He prayed to God and said, if there's any other way, let's do it that way. Because I don't want to do this. But he said, your will above mine, I will do whatever you ask. That is fearlessness. Okay? So fighters, a good fighter is fearless. They're the two feet jump in type of person. There is no plan B. Okay? They're fearless because they they follow a God who has nothing in their lives to fear. It's kind of that old thing where you're on the playground and you were going to get in a fight. I know nothing about these things, but I've heard anyway. You were going to get in a fight and you would tell him, my dad could whoop your dad, right? Because all of a sudden it's about your dad. Well, that's the same thing, right? It's like my heavenly father could whoop your heavenly father, so I got nothing to worry about, okay? Fearlessness, two feet jump in. Let's get really, really practical here. This is what this looks like in your fight today. Whether it's for something, it's your family, it's your discipline, it's whatever it is, or it's against something. It's, I don't want to look at this anymore on the internet. I want to get over this issue. I want to be done with this. Whatever that issue is, here's how it gets practical in being fearless. Here it is. Ready? Tell someone. Okay, Nick, that's too much. You've already, first principle, I'm gone, right? Tell someone. That's fearlessness. Let someone in. Find someone. Let them know. I want to spend more time with my family. Tell your wife. I don't want to do this anymore. Tell your small group. I don't care. Tell someone because now you're accountable. Right? It's easy to say, oh, man, I want to do all these great things. God's called me to do it. I'm going to do it. Me and you, God, we're going to do it. I'm not going to tell anyone else because when I mess up, it's just going to be me and you, right? We do that. We laugh, right? But we do this. This is how we do it. This is how I do it. But I know when I'm serious about something, when it's time to fight, I need people around me. The second part, the second principle, 
The I is intentional. Fighters, good fighters are intentional. Did you know Jesus was intentional? That he had 12 disciples, right? We all know that he had 12. Did you know he had like four guys that were like his inner circle? That he had four guys that he spent more time with? That he imparted more knowledge to? Cool, right? That's intentionality. We need to not just let one person in, but we need to let more people in, okay? That's intentionality. That's saying, look, I have, I want this thing out of my life, or I want this principle in my life. I want this fight to win. I've got to set a path for success. i got to let people in along the road. There's going to be a life change about this, right? If it's between now and December 31st, there's going to have to be a change in my life. That's intentionality. That's setting the path before you even start. So let me just ask you that question. What do you need to be intentional about today in order to succeed? Is there anything that you need to just kick out that you know, man, I need to put a block on my computer. I need to, I need to, I need to not go out with this person anymore. Just being intentional about the success that you want to have. The next principle, G, is good. Good fighters are good. Okay, what does that mean? It just means righteous. Uh, Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be, does anyone know the end? They shall be satisfied. Wouldn't that be great to be satisfied with righteousness? I don't know what happened. I I don't know in my life what happened sometimes, but I'm just not satisfied sometimes with righteousness, right? I like to go right to the edge. The big question is, how far can I go and still be, uh, you know, how far can I get to the edge and still, how close can I get to this boundary and still, you know, that's the question. That's the opposite side of this. That's not being a fighter. That's being whipped, right? That's being whooped by whatever you're trying to fight against or fight for. When you're trying to toe the line, I guarantee you will lose. So here's the practicality of it. Set clear boundaries, okay? My wife and I, when we were dating, we committed to not having premarital sex. So what was the rule? It wasn't like, okay, we can go as far as we can, but just we're not, we're going to hang out in the dark all the time. We're going to, you know, we're going to just do all this stuff. No. We said, we're not going to hang out by ourselves in these places. And we held each other accountable. We let people know. Because we knew if we got to a certain spot, there was no coming back. Right? I mean, this is all easy, simple stuff. But we don't do it because we want to toe the line. We want to get as close as we can and still touch the sin. But no, I'm not. No, mm -mm, doesn't work that way. Clear, real boundaries that don't get you close to the edge. That's righteousness. That's thirsting for what God has in your life. Fourth principle is humility or being humble. Good fighters are humble. See, this is a great partner with righteousness. Because sometimes when we get really righteous, right, you get good and you're like, oh, man, I've got this. Righteousness turns into self-righteousness really fast. 
So being humble matters. And can I be perfectly honest with you and tell you this is the one for me that I really struggle with. I love it when you guys see me do great stuff. I love it. You know, I love being up here. You know, part of it is like God's put this in me to be able to teach, and I like it, and it's fun. But I also, like the devil, would love for me to be that guy who just is up here, like, dancing and singing. And everyone's, oh, Nick, you're amazing. So don't compliment me after, okay? Stop, okay? But I am telling you that's real. That if this whole fight is just about watching, having people watch you be good, you will lose. If the thing today that you're in your chair and you're saying, but now and the end of this year, I want this to be gone. If it's about someone else seeing you do it, you will lose. That's just the way it works. Last thing. Good fighters are true. They're the same at home. They're the same at the church. They're the same at the office. They're the same at the grocery store. They're just true. Maybe that's your thing, right? Maybe that's your fight today. Is I need to bring my home life and my church life to my office life. I don't know what it is for you. But good fighters are the same no matter where they're at. They're true. Because here's the reality, right? <laughs> Can I just tell you this? It is so easy to be fake in church. <laughs> we don't expect anything of you, right? Like, everyone's nice here. So it's real easy to be nice because niceness gets you compliments. Like, oh, wow, you have a really nice button-up shirt. Oh, wow, you look really nice. Oh, you really have nice words to say, and you're super encouraging. But in the, at, 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 at the office, you're a pirate. You know what I mean? And you're, just, you're, 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 you're a totally different person. They would never recognize you because being nice at church is easy. Being fake at church is easy, but it's not real. And it will rot you from the inside out because you will learn, as I did growing up in church. My grandfather was the pastor of our first church. You will learn very quickly how to turn it on and how to turn it off. The good fighters do not know that. And again, sometimes it's just having that one person. For me, it's my wife, okay, who knows me inside and out and will call me on it all the time, okay? She calls me on it because she knows me and she loves me. Do you have anyone in your life that you will listen to? And they say, man, what are you doing? Who are you? Who do you think you are? Do you have anyone in your life? If you don't, find them. Because here's the cool part, and I'm going to end with this. Imagine for me real quick. Imagine doing this. Imagine January 1, and you fought the good fight. You've had success. Imagine that. How awesome would that be? Imagine this. Imagine if... Your accountability partner, the guy that I said or woman that I said needs to go with you, along with you. What if they did that too? What if the person next to you did that? What if every person in this church said between now and December 31st, we are all going to fight the good fight of faith? Just with one thing, just one thing, we're either going to fight for it 
fight against it. Do you think your family would be changed? Do you think your office might be changed? Do you think this church would be changed? Do you think this city could be changed? I think yes to all of it. Because my God is big. And he is bigger than my fight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for fighting already for us. I thank you for winning. I thank you for the fact that, God, today there are people here who don't know who you are. And today heard for the first time maybe that they need you and that they want you and that, God, you have the ability to change our lives from the inside out, God. You have the ability to offer eternal life. God, I pray today that there will be those today who would see that and want that. God, that they would begin conversations that would begin that life towards you, God. And God, I, I thank you for... I thank you for the fights. I thank you for the big fight. I thank you for the little ones that come into our lives because they give us the opportunity to draw closer to you, to fall on your grace and mercy once again and say, okay, let's do this. God, I pray that you would just rattle our cages, that you would make us fearless followers of you, God, that we would be on a mission to seek, to save, to make a difference in Fairfield, and all around, God. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for Parkway in Jesus' name. Amen.